We've been looking at a small series on gambling against God, and we looked at the first week was Joshua chapter 1, about the prosperous way. That if we stay true to the Word of God, what God called and commanded Joshua to do not let this Word depart from your mouth. That you make sure that you do everything that is in there. He says that we are to know the Word. We are to talk about the Word. We are to meditate upon the Word and do the Word. When we do those things, we will be successful in all things. We will be prosperous. Then we looked at last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where Paul told us that God is able. Do we believe that? God is able. But He gave us a prerequisite. He says, first and foremost, fulfill that which you have purposed in your heart. What you have purposed to give unto God, do it. We will never see the sufficiency and the enablement of God if we constantly hold back from Him. And we're not talking just about our finances. We're talking about our lives first and foremost. But when we give our whole heart to God, our whole lives, and we trust God that He will uh, fulfill that which He promised, and we give to God, He is now able to fulfill all His promises in our lives. It's when we hold back, we hold back the blessings of God. And today I want to look at, in Matthew chapter 5, the portion that Pastor Brian read for us, a section of basically talking about oaths. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. How many of us, maybe it's a little older generation, but how many of us when we were kids and you'd, uh, you'd make a promise to a friend? Remember? cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Right? Remember that? How many ever, how many ever stuck a needle in their eye? <laughs> you know, that was kind of our binding contract with one another, right? Or pinky square, right? Unless you had your fingers crossed. If you had your fingers crossed, you had a loophole. You had an out. You know, without any perjury, without any penalty. Well, I had my fingers crossed. I hate that. But you know the problem is? Many of us carry crossing our fingers into our adulthood. And we make all sorts of promises. And we've kept our fingers crossed. Because something better might come down the line. Well, I'll be there, I'll do that. Well, you know, something else came up. Yeah, but you already made a commitment. I had my fingers crossed. In fact, having our fingers crossed has caused so much problems in the day and age in which we live in. Billions of dollars are spent to cover broken promises and commitments in businesses, in marriages, you name it. Broken promises cost us not only finances, but emotional, mental, spiritual toll that it takes on us individually and us as a nation because we hold back from our promises that we make. Think about it. When we 
gave our lives to Christ? Did we truly give our lives to Christ? He gave His whole life for us. He held nothing back. Think about that. As He was traveling into Jerusalem and everybody was crying out, Hosanna! Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's nice to have people praise you, isn't it? It's nice to get the accolades. We like it when people pat us on the back. That a boy, that a good job, that a girl, right? We love those things. We struggle at the end of the week when they say crucify him. <laughs> right? We struggle when it's your fault, my fault. We struggle when people hang us out to dry. But how often do we do that to the Lord? when we fail to fulfill our commitments. When we fail to follow through with what He called us to do. So I want us to look a little bit here. Again, I just don't want to make this a guilt trip on us. But I want to encourage all of us. I'm included in this. Okay? Because as a pastor, when I, my wife and I, when we sense the Lord's leading to sell our home, quit our job, and move from our family and friends to an unknown country called Canada, <laughs> some of you from here, I lived there for many years, born there, and, but you know, that wasn't home to us, was it? Now you're on the opposite side. You left everything that was familiar and came here. But we left. Not knowing, except for knowing God has called. And then when we sensed the Lord was calling us into the pastoral ministry, because for many years we thought God was calling us into the mission field. Well, He basically did, because no matter where you are, there's your mission field, right? And um, we made a commitment. And there's days that, I'll be honest, I don't like that commitment. There's days I would like to have, you know what, Paul and I were just saying, I don't know if it was earlier today or yesterday, there'd be some days I would not mind putting on the Bermudas again and delivering mail. Not only the exercise and get rid of some of this, but I mean, but you know, sometimes the ministry is difficult. Sometimes everything that you listen to going on in people's lives is difficult. Not to mention what's going on in your own life. But we made a commitment to God. And we've got to see it through. Because in reality, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing with my life than serving our God and serving Him with you folks. And so I understand. There's the struggles, but there's also the joy. Let me tell you, first and foremost, if you haven't figured it out yourself yet, the joys of walking with God and serving God far outweigh the difficulties of this life. I'm not saying the difficulties aren't real and aren't genuine, but this too shall pass. And one day we will behold Him face to face for all eternity. And we'll be able to say, as the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that these present trials are not to be compared for the glory that waits us. Can't wait for that day. Amen? But until then, Lord, give us grace. 
Okay, let's look at this portion of Scripture. Uh, Can I am going to use your microphone as a coat stand, so please bear with me, brother. Look here, if you will, in in Matthew chapter 5, in the portion that Pastor Brian read for us. Jesus has been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and this, going, coming up through this section. One of the greatest messages ever preached. And I think we'll actually be looking at that fairly uh, shortly. Uh, but um, he gets to this point and he's talking about oaths. And oaths were something that were uh, common in this day. In fact, we have them today, don't we? We swear oaths, and especially when we go to court, right? We're supposed to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But here we, we see that these oaths, there's a, a definition, and this is uh, a couple of definitions I want to give you of an oath, and especially that really applied to the biblical times. An oath is a solemn affirmation or declaration made with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed and in invoking his vengeance and renouncing his favor if it is affirmed to be false. It's basically what you're saying is, I swear to God that this is true, but if, as I swear to God and it is not true, what we're saying is God's wrath be upon you. Or upon me if I made, the, made it false. In other words, when a person has taken an oath, he's saying that God is to bear witness and that God is to be not only a witness, but the judge if we're lying. And so, at this time... Well, the problem is, is as serious as this is supposed to be, when we invoke God's name upon what we're about to say, there should be seriousness to it. Today's day and age, a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in that, do they? First and foremost, many in our world today don't even believe in God. Or if they believe in a God, it's the God that they want to make in their own mind instead of the God of the Bible. And what is happening in Jesus' time is that they were kind of, well, here's an oath, yes, but is this really a serious one or not? Is it a binding oath or a non-binding oath? You know, did you have your fingers crossed? You know, and that's basically what he was saying. So Jesus had to address this. You know, I like this, and if you read in the Beatitudes and this Sermon on the Mount, Uh, Notice something here very important in verses 33 and 34. He says in verse 33, And again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your uh, oaths to the Lord. But I say... Do you notice the big difference here? What Jesus is saying is what you've heard before, what was written of old is from the Scripture, from the text, from the Old Testament, it was God-ordained through the prophets that you have. There's the authority of God in the writings. You have heard it said. You have read it. You've heard it. You've heard it taught. But I say... What's Jesus saying? I'm God. I have the ultimate authority and what I say is the Gospel truth is from God Himself because I am God. But I say... That was great power. Remember, they marveled at Jesus as one who taught with authority. The reason why He taught with authority because He is the authority. 
And so he's saying, this is, listen to what I have to say because this is the Word of God. Folks, listen to what he says because this is the Word of God. Amen? There is no other authority under heaven which we need to adhere to but then the Word of God. This is the, uh, what we need to live our lives by. And so what Jesus was saying here is, listen, you guys have, have made a mess of a simple, simple truth. You have taken what was given and you have perverted it, you have twisted it, you have made it everything but what it should be. And the reason why is because man got his hands on it. In fact, if you would, keep your finger there, but turn over to Matthew chapter 23. Some of you might have a little heading over Matthew 23 that says something like this, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> this was not like, Woe, slow down. This is, Woe, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know. And listen, Woe, we're in trouble if we act the same way. Okay, Starting in verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple... It is, not, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. And then listen to this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, what Jesus is saying is what were they more concerned about? The gifts, the gold. What they could get out of it. The materialistic things. Instead of, first of all, what God wants to be blessed with and what God wants to do in and through us. We bring our gifts, we bring our tithes in, uh, into the house because that's what God commands us because God knows that we struggle with trusting Him. And when we fully trust God, we bring our tithes and offerings, we bring our lives because we know that God cares for us. God loves us. He doesn't want these things to become our idols. He doesn't want this to control us. He wants us to yield ourselves to Him. He wants to bless us. But many times money and, and material things and all this stuff becomes our gods, our idols. What That's all our life is driven to. Again, I, I, I like the bumper stickers that used to go, you know, you'd see, he who dies with the most toys wins. 
But then there was a bumper sticker later that he who dies with the most toys dies. You know, I've done a lot of funerals and I haven't seen anybody bring their boat and, and bury it with them. Their car. No brings trucks. You know, we leave it for somebody else to fight over. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we sometimes, this stuff here, if we're not careful, the money and, and the materialistic things become our gods, our idols. And again, there's nothing wrong with having things. But is that our only obsession in life? Or should our, if you will, obsession be to please Him who has given His life for us so that we can live? That should be our goal. That should be what we desire to do. And Jesus is saying, listen, wait a minute. You're putting more stock in the gold than in the temple itself? Because wasn't the temple the place where God reside? Wasn't it a house for God where you could meet with God? And you're saying, well, forget about the temple. Let's concentrate on the gold. Forget about the altar. Let's concentrate on the gift that's put on the altar. Misplaced priorities, isn't it? And that's sometimes that we have to struggle with at times, don't we? He's saying, listen, you, you know, if you make an oath to the temple, that can be broken because, you know, the money is more important. That's what the scribes and Pharisees were basically saying in a nutshell. And so here in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is contradicting this big time. He's telling, listen, wait a minute, guys, you got your, this thing wrong. You've got the cart before the horse. He says, listen. He says, I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. He says, listen, you know, when you swear by heaven, you, you think it's no big thing and you think that's something that can be broken so easily because how many of us have seen heaven? How many of us have been there? It's something that's yet something that we haven't obtained, something that's non-tangible at this point. Something that is like, well, you know, God understands. You know, I love that saying when people break their promises or whatever and they say, well, God understands. Yes, He understands you lied. He understands you lied. Plain and simple. If you make a promise to God, fulfill it. Well, He knows that I've tried. Remember what we talked about trying? Trying is lying many times. Many times we get credit for saying, well, I'm trying. You haven't done anything. But I'm trying. Now, there are some times where we're earnestly trying something. We're involved in it. But sometimes we just say it because it gets somebody off our back. But God really knows the motivation of our heart and knows what we try or not. But he's saying, listen, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. He's saying, listen, when you swear by heaven, you're swearing by the, the one who, uh, who lives there, who resides there. You're swearing by God Himself. It's God's habitation. And God will not take that lightly. So if you're going to swear by heaven... You better make sure you mean it. And then he goes on and he says, Nor by earth, 
for it is his footstool. You know, I, every now and then we, you know, a, a church or an organization, a Christian organization or whatever, they'll dedicate a building or a camp or something and say this is holy ground. Well, listen, God created the whole earth and the whole earth is holy ground. It all belongs to Him. It is His footstool to do what He pleases with. And when we swear by earth, as they said here, it, it, it's again... Listen, it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. And, you know, I, I love it too is when you stop and think about God's creation. How can we swear by earth? Do any of us really own it? Well, I own the land that I, that I got my house on. Really? Do we really own it? We pay taxes on it for a while, but then it's to the next person, you know? But you know what I, I love uh, recently? And, I mean, there's some really smart, devious people. Really, really ingenious, devious people. How many of you bought a star for somebody for Christmas? How could you say that you could sell a star? But you know what? People are buying them. Isn't that crazy? You know, our joke in our family is... My dad needs nothing. Whatever he wants, he gets. So our running joke in our family is, what do you give a man who has everything? Penicillin. You know, but I mean, some of you will catch that later. But I mean, I mean, we think that we own and that we have the right to swear by these things, but we do not. This is God's earth. This is God's footstool. This is where God created and God desired to have us be uh, born on. And we are the crowning achievement of His creation here on earth. And this is not a small matter when you swear by earth because we are swearing by the one who owns it all. He says, don't play games here. Nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. <laughs> Isn't it neat that Jesus can even be talking about this about Himself? Some might think, who is He talking about? David. But oh no, he was talking about a greater king himself. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. Jerusalem is his great city. So when you swear by Jerusalem, you're swearing by God himself. Nor shall you swear by your head. Because you cannot make one hair white or black. Well, they didn't know VO5 back then or some of the others, but I mean, we have no control of that, do we? Again, we don't have control even of our own lives on some of these things. How many of us can stop the aging process? I mean, mankind for years has been looking for the fountain of youth, right? And I think really so many people, when they actually expire instead of going to a grave, really need to be sent to a redemption center because there's so much plastic in them. You know? I mean, you have so much plastic surgery that, you know, I mean, the joke used to be in the, in the checkout lines when you'd see the Inquirer and you'd see the little little dimple or whatever on, on Elizabeth Taylor's forehead was his, that was not a little pimple or something. That was actually her belly button for having so many facelifts that, you know, it's finally you can only pull up so much, you know. But I mean, we, 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 we invest in so much for the vanity of the things of life, don't we? 
We, we invest in so many things that we have no control over the aging process. Some of us do not age gracefully. Some do. Some, it's like, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Embrace it. I, I, you know, I marvel. I, I just scratch my head, especially some women who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s and who think they're still 20 years old. It's not attractive. Be a woman of your age. Enjoy it. It's okay. It's okay. And guys as well. You know, I used to like Pastor Taylor saying about priests when uh, he says, I, I never trust a man who wants you to call him father who dresses like your mother. But, but you know, some guys, you know, can I be honest? I, I guess I am a little already. <laughs> guys, do not wear skinny jeans. Now, I know I'm stepping on toes right now. I know that. Women, do not wear the yoga pants out. As I tell especially some of the young people, and maybe now even older people, if it ain't for sale, don't advertise. If it ain't for sale, don't advertise. You're sending wrong messages. And, and, and this is what Jesus is really getting to, is the heart of the matter, isn't he? The heart of the matter. Did we make a commitment, did we make a promise to walk with our God? Did we say, yes, Jesus, we want you to be our Lord and Savior? Now when we say, well, Savior maybe, Lord I'm not sure about. Because see, if, if He is truly my Lord, He's the Lord of my whole life. There's no part that He is not in control of or should have control over. This is where we struggle with sometimes. And Jesus is really saying, is, listen, stop making all these oaths and stop making all these promises and stop swearing by this or by that. Now again, He's not talking about bad language, but He's saying of giving you a word. And he goes on here and he brings it home here in verse 37. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Your word should be enough. Your word should be enough. You know, God does not have to prove himself to us. His word is enough. I am. Who is this God that sent you? I am. Although he did give Moses some signs to show because he knows people have a hard time believing. But all he has to say is, this is what I'm going to do. We have to trust that. But we've seen all throughout humanity that God is the God of his word, isn't he? Everything that God said that he will do, he has done. And there's still some things yet. But he was given enough proof to see that he is a God of his word. And we need to trust that. How many of us have seen God be faithful in our lives over and over and over again? He's a God of his word. And we as the children of God, 
need to mirror the image of God in the character of God. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. What is he trying to say? He says, I am trying to live my life in such obedience to God that when you watch me, when you see me, when you listen to me, you're listening to God. He says, don't follow Paul. He says, actually what you're doing is following God. Follow me as I follow Christ. And you know what? He desires for you and I to be able to say the same thing to those around us. Sunday school teachers. Awana workers. Detour. Nursing home. Whatever type of ministry that you have. Or moms and dads. You should be able to say to our little ones, follow me as I follow Christ. That I want to live in such a way that God is honored in every part of my life. And that when you see me, you're seeing the manifestation of Christ. Think about this. Where you work, sometimes the only representation of Christ that people are going to see is through your life. What are they viewing? What are they seeing? Are you a man or a woman of your word? If you give your word, can they count on it? That it's going to be done. That you're going to fulfill it. That's what Jesus is saying. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. Plain and simple. Again, I, I, I see it as the day and age in which we're living in and as time goes on, that un unfortunately a person's word is not necessarily something that you can count on anymore. Years ago, that's a, you know, a handshake of my word was enough, right? I mean, we have wonderful representation in Washington that the word means nothing anymore. That's why I'm glad my hope is not in Washington. My hope is in Christ. But Jesus here is he's saying, listen, our word should be our guarantee. We ought to be men and women of character and integrity. We need to show forth that we are faithful and true to God. Our word should be our bond. Plain and simple. You want to know one of the real problems is? Keep your finger there and turn back to Psalm 58. Here it is, Psalm 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. As soon as we're born with our sin nature, what do we do? We lie. How many of you as parents taught your children how to lie? Now son, daughter, I want you to learn the art of lying. Because you're going to go somewhere in life if you can be a good liar. Some people have learned that, but I don't think many parents actually try to teach that, that art of lying to their children. And, and 
It comes natural to us. And when we're born into the family of God, we have to work. I'll use a little Canadian. All right, we have to work some hard at it. <laughs> of, of of becoming a new creation in Christ. And that being a man and a woman of integrity and not allowing that old sin nature to take over. Now again, I'm not saying that every person was is a habitual liar. But we struggle with it. In the day and age in which we live in, truth is subjective. It's not absolute. And we struggle with that. But as the children of God, Jesus is telling us here in His Word, He says, listen, this is what I want you to look like. This is what the Christian life is supposed to look like. This is what your, your character needs to be reflected of. That when you give your word, it's a done deal. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Because look what he says after that. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. In other words, if your word is not your bond, that your word cannot be trusted, then you are of the evil one because he is the father of all lies. He is a deceiver. He's deceptive. Our word needs to be our bond because it reflects the image of God Himself. God never lies. God tells it as it is. Now again, some people are pretty good at telling it as it is. Let's speak the truth in love, okay? <laughs> but what, Again, folks, is God trustworthy? All the time, right? Has He promised to never leave us nor forsake us? Now, has He given us some commands in the Word of God that He wants us to fulfill? Because when we do, we can walk in unity with God, unity with one another. We can have that wonderful peace of God that the world knows nothing of. If we truly believe that, then all of our commitments that we have made to God and to one another, we need to fulfill. Otherwise, we hold back the wonderful blessing that God has in store for us. Now again, sometimes relationships aren't easy. Marriages and other relationships. Commitments that we make to one another. If you entered into a binding relationship between God and another person, see it through. If you have made a business decision and it really hasn't gone your way, see it through. God honors that. Sometimes it's not the outcome but the process that God is watching. Are you a man or a woman of your word? Can you be trusted? Because God can be trusted. Let's pray.